Hey, this is Jay. Before we start the episode, I wanted to share some really exciting news. Calibra was just named a leader in the 2023 Forrester Wave Report for data governance solutions. If you don't know what the Forrester Wave is, it's essentially a guide for us buyers considering options for software. If you want to get to know Forrester a bit better, go back and check out our recent episodes with Raluca Alexandru and Michelle Getz from Forrester. I love these conversations. We had a total blast. And I can't resist making a plug here either. To learn more about the report, go to Calibra.com slash data download dash Forrester Wave dash DG. And we're going to put all of that in the show notes as well, so that it's easy for you to navigate to them and check out those reports. All right, back to the show. This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. There is so much going on out there in the world of artificial intelligence. AI isn't new, of course, but it's become an era of very rapid change. What's changing, you ask? Well, I thought it would be great to bring in an expert to help us all get a handle on things. I'm Michelle Getz. I'm a VP and Principal Analyst at Forrester Research. I've been covering the AI and data space going on for over a decade as part of my research coverage. And it's been quite the ride moving from big data and now getting to generative AI. And as much as things change, there's also a lot of things that stay the same, but it's really interesting. You've been at the the AI game at Farsta for 10 years, I think you said. Is that, what, is that right? Yeah, over 10 years. That's amazing. So how have you seen the conversation around AI change? You said a lot of things have stayed the same. A lot of things have changed over the years. What have you seen change in, in the conversation around AI? Today, it's so much more approachable. I mean, first, from an enterprise perspective, you know, companies have been playing around with AI for quite some time. Mm -hmm. They even have some really great solutions that have been deployed. Um, it really has been a business transformation tool for most. Hmm. But I think we're at this incredible inflection point where generative AI, and certainly with the launch of ChatGPT, has put AI in the hands of even non-technical users. When my 80-year-old mother is asking me about it and trying to use it herself, you know that we've definitely hit an inflection point. And so <laughs> you've got a lot of people who aren't just trying to build really sophisticated solutions. There's others who are just trying to write a better paper or create better marketing content or get answers faster. It's just such a flexible, powerful experience now. And I think that has changed right. our understanding of other value that AI and data in particular can provide. What are moms using ChatGPT for? Oh, we're not having that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I love my mom. <laughs> what you're saying, though, is AI is becoming more of a an enabler, an accelerator, and usable for people that aren't data scientists, right? You don't have to have that background, that training, that, that the actual science to take advantage of that 
of this type of tech. Absolutely. I mean, we've all experienced generative AI through all of our online searches. When you go to Google, when you go to Bing, Mm -hmm. it's all been there. And now that's been brought forward into everyday use for anything, Hmm. not just through those portals, for example. But even prior to you know, chat GPT being released and certainly BARD is coming on. Mm-hmm. We've been using LLMs or large language models for quite some time. There's been some really powerful computer vision capabilities, and those have been showing up also in, you know, legal firms and being able to understand and interpret documents and evidence. Oh, I see. Interesting. You know, you've mm-hmm. got the ability to generate digital content and put that onto your social media site. We've been doing that. So certainly it's not new. It's more that in this fourth generation, it is democratized. Right. And the results too are better. They're much better. You trust them more. Yeah. Or you think you should. Well, we're going to get to that in a bit. Yeah. But before we do, you brought up the word that was floating in my head too at the same time, and that is uh, data democratization, right? Right. That's been a phrase that's been around also for a little while, but in totally different contexts, like you know, data visualization tools like a Tableau or a Power BI has really allowed non-data engineers to start taking advantage of, of data in ways that they weren't before, right? So this is that times 10, right? Are we talking about an even greater level of democratization? We are. And the way that I can think about it is pulling on the thread of what you talked about in a comparison, where were we? Mm -hmm. Data democratization was, I'm allowing everyone in my organization access to my data warehouse environment so they can build their own reports. Yay. Powerful. That's a lot of fun because that's what I came to work to do is build a report. (laughs) (laughs) But what generative AI is doing is changing our experience with information as part of our jobs. So instead of having to fight against the technology that holds all of our data from, say, Salesforce or holds all of the content and documents that we've either been creating as we do our jobs or as they're bringing forward things like contracts, for example, mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as data, we're actually able to use generative AI capabilities to not only find what we're looking for, but summarize that information so that we're mm-hmm. getting a faster time to value and a faster decision and capitalize on some type of an opportunity much faster as well. We're also able to use that as a creative spark. Maybe we need to write something up and communicate that out to our colleagues, the employees, with our stakeholders and decision makers, helping them to become aware of how our operations and our engagements with customers are working. And maybe we're not a great writer this morning. It's like we didn't get enough coffee, but generative AI could be there to help sort of get that moving And something for us to begin with instead of trying to have to figure out, like, where do I begin? I think um, sometimes the blank canvas, the blank piece of paper can be sort of an obstacle to getting started, right? And having something get you started with content that's plausible, that at least gets things moving along. That would you call it the creative spark? I love the concept. Yeah. That alone is a valuable use case for humans that are trying to create something. Now you're starting to talk about how we can trust what that output is. Is it correct? 
should it replace what I as a person can produce? You know, should it, can it, will it? What are your thoughts on the quality of that content? I think a few times you've already said the quality is so much better than it's ever been before. That's one of the other things that's really new. Right. Let's talk about the quality and credibility and accuracy of, of the outputs of these things. Let's, let's get into that. As much as we've struggled with the quality and the integrity of the data from an enterprise perspective, we've actually made significant investments on that side. Our data foundations are better today than they even were 10 years ago. So the integrity of that information, how representative it is of the way we do business, the way that we create value is a much better starting point. So if you point generative AI on that information to help, you know, decipher what that information says about our business, the way that we operate, the way that we engage Mm -hmm. to interpret the way we communicate and what's being said, when the output comes from the generative AI capabilities, it's more understood. Okay. It seems correct. It's like, yeah, I could kind of go with that. That makes a whole lot of sense. That's probably similar to what I was expecting. Right. On the other hand, you still have to be fairly literate in information dissemination because what could look like it's the right answer may not be the right answer. So we do have a lot of concerns when we introduce generative AI and AI overall into automated decisioning Mm -hmm. because it's that foundational data where it begins to matter. If you have been making biased decisions in things like loan applications, then that is automatically going to come through in the way that you're able to kind of shape and see the decisioning patterns that have been done in the past to be able to pick and choose Uh what is the next action I should take or how should I approve or not approve that loan. And so in, in that context, stronger subject matter expertise and better testing of during the training process of those right. AI capabilities is is really necessary. So we don't hit a regulatory issue. We don't hit a privacy issue, or we're not making decisions from a financial perspective that is not grounded solidly in making that right decision. So you can't just always say, Hey, generative AI, help me understand what's going on today within my call center. Right. Is my call center, you know, effective at solving my customers' problems? Well, the information that may come back is it looks great until you find out and talk to your call center agents that it's a little harder than that generative AI capability is kind of answering that question for you, or it's not giving the right answers to help satisfy what customers are are expecting to have their issues resolved. So what I'm kind of hearing you say, if I were to summarize that, you're seeing trends over the past N number of years that organizations have much more sound data practices, strong data governance, strong data quality, et cetera. And that's setting those organizations up for a good experience with AI, especially modern AI approaches that we're seeing now. Correct. But that's not a given really for all organizations, right? So yes. 
if you have a shaky foundation or no foundation, and you just have a bunch of data lying around, perhaps that experience might not be as trustworthy or high quality. It may, it may appear fast. It may appear to be good, but it may not be right, or it may be you know, problematic. It's true. Foundation matters, I think, is what you're kind of saying. Foundation matters. Garbage in, garbage out is still the appropriate mm-hmm. way to look at this. And then the other aspect is with these new AI capabilities, it's opening up new use cases. So you may not have prepared your data to train these models to satisfy that use case. There's more labeling. There's more classification. The semantics may not be correct because they're representing another context of your business. So there's still a lot of work to ensure that the integrity of the data is still suited for the use case itself. So let's go back to that phrase that you started us out with, and that was so much has changed in the past 10 years and a lot of stuff is still the same. So that foundation matters. Sounds to me like there's some good fundamental principles that you might advise people, organizations to start following if they haven't already in order to be successful. And then there's probably some new principles that are being invented on the fly now. You know, I think of it as traditionally foundation is is mostly about the input side of analytics, right? Where are you getting data from? How are you protecting the data that you're using in your models, et cetera, et cetera? What's appropriate to use for your models in your models to generate some output? Now with generative generative AI, you have a whole other side of the coin to start governing and managing and protecting and, and all of that. How are you treating the output itself? Because it's a whole different kind of output. Right. So let's talk about what's the same with, let's say, fundamentals, data fundamentals and governance mm-hmm. practices. And what's really, really different now? Yeah. So the data governance fundamentals are still the same. You still have to think about how do you assure the quality and trust of the information? You still need to satisfy privacy requirements and have processes around consent and protection. Okay. Still need to think about security and access controls. And you still need to think about the general life cycle of information. So you want to automate that at scale, which is still what we've been attempting to do by applying technologies to make that possible. And you want to create a good experience to kind of navigate through the governance processes, as well as democratizing that data. So you need a catalog and a marketplace experience to make that possible. And this is really where we've made some strong steps Mm -hmm. over the past several years. Maybe it's not perfect, but we're certainly making headway. So that set us up well for creating accessibility to information to feed into a data science process to maybe train these models further and point them towards a specific use case. Or we're now allowing, say, generative AI to support an experience where we can better search our environment. Mm -hmm. So that's good. But where things start to get different are, number one, the foundation model for generative AI that you're using, how is that model trained? Where's that information coming from? Who owns that information? How much of it was real information? How much of it was synthetic data? How frequently is that generative AI foundation model updated? Because 
as we said, it's really, it's just a processor. It's an engine. And before it gets to you, it's been trained on something with a particular use case in mind, even if it's a generalized use case. So that's one side of it. The other side that changes is these environments are much more opaque or sometimes Mm -hmm. completely black box. Just being able to run a scanner on, you know, what a generative AI model is doing is not actually going to tell you how it's making decisions or how it's organizing information or how it's creating a response. So the output, how do you check that output? How do you understand and interpret what that model is doing? And so there's other types of outputs to understand from analyzing the data before it feeds into the model to check for different types of biases or weight the data in certain ways that is more representative. So there's preparation that's done on the data. And then the other side of it is as you have the outputs, how do you start classifying those outputs? So data scientists have a variety of techniques to look for things like bias and a model in production, they're using model ops. Like those are known things. But what about business stakeholders? How do they know that AI functionality is working appropriately? They don't understand data science techniques and algorithmic techniques. They need dashboards that interpret those outputs so that they can make sense of it and understand where it's providing value and where that's providing risk. And that's a new BI competency that companies don't have. The observability of the information and the understanding of that information is now on the context of the output, not just raw data. And then we have to extend it so that the everyday user, if we've democratized generative AI, we need those tools to lift a comprehension and dissemination and assurance that those models are working to to expectations and aren't introducing issues. So, so if we're democratizing AI and bringing AI capabilities to lay people, let's say business people yeah. that aren't skilled in the data science realm, feels like we still need data scientists though. But that job might be changing. Yeah. Right. If they're focusing on, I don't know, validating output programmatically, perhaps. Right. Maybe that's something that that we see data scientists roles starting to do? Is that, are are they becoming testers? (laughs) Where's the data science role itself headed as far as that goes? Yeah. Data scientists have to be data stewards now. That may, they may not like that. I mean, they've been known to sort of balk against data governance, for example, because it's seen as sort of slowing them down in some way. And sometimes that has been true when you have a culture of no. How ironic, because aren't the data scientists the ones that want the clean data in the first place? (laughs) You would think. (laughs) But when you tell them that they can't access the data or they can't use private information, they're like, but then it's not representative. So there's all of these reasons why they're like, look, I'll just do it myself. But what they don't recognize is not only do they have to be stronger data stewards themselves. They also have to be strong AI stewards as well. So bridging that world between data governance and AI governance and understanding how those two worlds come together and what their role is in the middle. And in fact, many organizations and leaders of data science teams and AI 
are building AI governance programs to address that specifically and getting started within their own data science teams, eventually moving that out into a broader competency. But it really does begin with a data scientist recognizing their role and responsibility to not just the model outputs, but also the data that's feeding in and, and to be able to operate at scale and independently. governance at the heart is helping to mitigate any risk related to ethical quality and financial issues as well as regulatory issues. So all the things we think about from a protection perspective. In addition, it's your strategic trade-off tool because AI governance allows you to balance the offensive nature of using AI for driving business opportunity and value with the risk considerations, that defensive nature that governance has always had. Mm -hmm. Everything introduces risk, but sometimes the risk doesn't matter, but sometimes it matters a whole lot. And without being able to weigh those risks, you're not able to really move forward in either a, a, a risk avoidance manner or potentially even getting the value out of your AI capability. So it is at its core risk mitigation practices, Uh people process technology, but also that strategic decisioning framework to make the right offensive and defensive um, trade-offs. If the product you're producing through AI isn't good, it isn't going to (laughs) sell. True. (laughs) That description that you just gave us, like we... We want our AI governance program to help us validate that we've got high quality results. Right. Do I have that about right? Essentially, I mean, we're now in the business of not just being data scientists and data engineers and, you know, a bunch of like technical geek out employees that are working with a really cool tool. I mean, that's not what we're here for. We're here to create products that sell. Yeah, right. Our stakeholders want us to make money. Or they want us to save money while still making money. Right, right. right. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So everything that AI is doing for us should contribute to the growth of the organization. Mm -hmm. You don't want AI inhibiting your growth. If it goes off the rails and creates a reputational risk or a financial risk or a regulatory risk, that's a real problem. But at the same time, if the AI capability just isn't producing anything of value, What matters? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of smart things that are starting to show up in like a refrigerator, but do I really need my refrigerator to be that smart? (laughs) You know? (laughs) So it's like, is that the thing that's going to let me win the home appliance race? Maybe not. So it's, it's those sorts of considerations that have to be weighed. Well, when you're running low on milk, you need to know when to get some milk. So your fridge should tell you that, right? Yeah, that's that's true. If my son finds out that there's no more milk in the refrigerator, I'm going to have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
holy cow. We, we covered so much today and we're only just getting going. Plus, maybe this is going to save uh, my milk in my fridge. All right. So to recap so far, here's some of the important bits to me. As Michelle discussed the evolution of AI and the democratization of generative AI with the launch of ChatGPT, making it more accessible for non-technical users, this has expanded AI's potential for business transformation and improved the user experience when interacting with information. It's progressed from providing access to data warehouses to using generative AI to change our experience with information. However, she emphasized the importance of having a strong data foundation as garbage input can lead to garbage output. This foundation includes ensuring the quality and trust of the information, satisfying privacy requirements, managing security and access controls, and maintaining the general life cycle of information. The role of data scientists is changing as they become data and AI stewards, which involves building AI governance programs uh, and addressing both offensive and defensive considerations when it comes to AI risks. AI governance aims to mitigate risks related to ethical, quality, and financial issues, as well as regulatory issues, while also serving as a strategic decision-making framework. Ultimately, AI should contribute to the growth of an organization, but it's essential to weigh the risks and potential benefits of these AI capabilities. Maintaining a balance between innovation and risk management can help ensure that AI is used responsibly and delivers value for businesses. Quick reminder, this was part one of a two-part episode, and you're going to hear the second half of this conversation in two weeks. Till then, for Calibra, this is The Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and we'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.